Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Why don't I get a miracle? Actually, I've had a lot of miracles. But do you know what I'm saying? I remember years ago being in a, a Bible study. It's been 35 years ago, and there was a, a young man there who had just gotten saved, and he was so excited. And he was carrying around his family Bible, big old thing. And he had a little bit of a religious thing going on, but the Lord told me to give him a message. And when he told me what it was, I said, Lord, I, I don't want to ruin his, his joy. I, he said, you just obey me. Okay. So I went to this young man and pulled him aside and I said, the Lord wants me to ask you a question. If he never does anything for you again, if you never hear his voice again, if you never get a healing from him again, if he doesn't do anything for you the rest of your life, are you still going to love him? Sometimes we base our love for God on what he does for us. And the danger in that is when you go through a dry spell where nothing seems to be happening in your favor, you begin to doubt whether he's even there. God's asking a lot of you. As he told the doubting Thomas, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe he's resurrected until I see the nail prints in his hands, the scar in his side. And at that very moment, Jesus walked through a wall. Thomas fell on his knees. And I always remember what Jesus told him. He said, you're really blessed because you've seen me and you believe, but how much more blessed are those who have never seen me and believe he was talking about you. God's asking a lot of you. He's asking you to change your whole life, your life plan, everything he's asking you to change, to follow him. Now, who, who else is cold besides Sharon? Give me, give me one minute. I'm here to please, because I'm pleasant. Look at your neighbor and say, he's pleasant. All right, all right. Now, won't you be, don't, don't, let, don't let me lose you. Stay with me, because I got a message for you today. But in the middle of summer, it's 100 degrees outside. I see you dressed up like Eskimos. I know something's wrong. Every person who's ever called themselves a child of God has wanted to know more about him. If I can't see his face or literally hear his audible voice, I want to know more about him. Why? Because I am hungry for him. 
Are you hungry for him? There was a man in the Bible named Moses, and he had perhaps one of the greatest hungers for God that anybody had ever seen. He, he not only wanted to see God, he wanted to see God in all of his glory, nothing being veiled. God said, you can't do that, you'll die. But God also said, there's a place by me. See, God wanted to honor Moses' cry, but he didn't want to kill him in the process. And you know that story. God said there's a place here. It's in the cleft of this rock. It's where we get that song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Cleft of the rock. I'll put you there. And I'll cover you with my hand. And when I walk by you, you'll see a glow. And I will take my hand away just enough so you can see my back parts. Just seeing his back parts was enough to make Moses satisfied for years. I've told you that story before, and I'm trying not to repeat myself, but it's apropos here. When I went through a thing with the church, and pastor had a moral failure, and we went through meetings and all that and for weeks. It seemed like months. Home every night at 2 in the morning. and We were living out at uh, Rocky Arroyo in a, in a mobile home out there, and uh, I turned off the highway to, to go to the house one night about 2 in the morning. It was all over with, supposedly. It really wasn't, but they thought it was. But when I pulled off the highway, I literally thought somebody opened the door of my car on the passenger side. I felt wind, and I thought I heard the door close. And I looked over there, and I didn't see anything, but God spoke to me. He said, I am pleased with you, son. I can't tell you, I can't tell you the magnificence that was in that statement. I didn't, I didn't ask God to give me $5 million. I didn't, I didn't ask God to give me anything. But what he gave me was the best gift he could have given. He spoke in the first person to me directly. He, he wasn't saying, I'm pleased with you, church. I'm pleased with you, America. I'm pleased with you, all the Christians in the world. He said, John Burke, I'm pleased with you. And then he called me son. If you've never had that experience, you need to pray. Look at Exodus 33, verse 13. Verse 13. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you, that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you. And I will give you rest. And he said unto him, If your presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. In other words, if you're not going to go with me, I don't want to go. And that needs to be the cry of your heart. Whatever endeavor you're about to begin, you've got to have God with you because you're sure to fail if you don't. For wherein shall it be known here that I and your people have found grace in your sight? Is it not in that you goest with us? 
So shall we be separated, land thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, I beseech you, show me your glory. That's a word that has been bannered around for centuries. What does glory mean? I remember over at Oasis for years, uh, and his name just escaped me, the Spanish guy that, uh, he's passed away now, but he's always yelling out, cello, thank you. In the middle of a worship service, you could hear him, and you knew his voice, glory, glory. That was the word that God gave him. And every time he spoke it, it sent chills down my spine in a good way. Glory. What does it mean? And then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. See, those decisions are his and his alone. But I'll tell you something, when you cry out to God with the right attitude and you have gotten rid of unforgiveness in your heart and hatred and bitterness and you have rejected those things and left them behind you, you are more likely to get God's ear. Don't approach God when you are filled with anger. When he told you, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What that meant was, you deal with it today. If you're married and you've had an argument with your wife, men, get it resolved before you get in that bedroom to lay down to go to sleep. It's very important. The longer you put it off, the more that ugly thing gets entrenched in your marriage and your lives, and it's hard to get rid of, sometimes impossible. In verse 20, he said, You cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. That's a direct quotation also to John chapter 1, verse 18. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. There it is. There is a place by me, and you shall stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and you shall see my back part. Some, uh, some other Bibles use the term, you shall see my afterglow. I kind of like that. But you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Can you imagine just seeing the backside of God that would bring glory to you and cause him to glow for weeks and months because he saw the backside of God? What in the world would it be like if you saw his face? And actually he did. The Trinity, the Godhead, is one of the greatest mysteries in the universe. But when you get it, when it, it is, it, it, listen to me, it has to be revealed. You can't just study it and say, I know what it is. It has to be revealed to you. And God will reveal it to you. And the more you study it, the bigger it will get. 
Do you think that God, listen to me, do you think that God did not have a desire to reveal himself to you with with as much zeal as you had to see him? He wants you to see him. But let me tell you something. You have got to be in a place where you have righteousness to see him, where you have mercy to see him, where you have grace to see him. And somebody has got to step up and say, I will pay the price for whatever it is that is a barrier between God and that person. Somebody's got to step up and pay a price. Your mother would do it, but she can't. She's a sinner. You've got to have somebody who's a human being and yet never sin. Aren't you glad that Jesus, as I've told you many times, same age as his mother, I mean older than his mother, same age as his father, and the springs start breaking in your brain, do you realize there was a plan, there was a purpose in that? Because Jesus had a, a God as his father, he did not, he was not, conceived nor was he born with sin you were but because his mother was a human see the bible says it this way jesus was fully man and he was fully god what that meant was because he was a human being it qualified him to be a sacrifice for your sins but because god was his father he had no sin And listen, that was the greatest miracle of all. Whoever died for you could not have any sin. Therefore, the death itself seemed to be so uh, illegal and unrighteous. Why are we killing this poor, innocent man? We didn't. He gave his life. Matthew 27, 50, he gave up the ghost. That means that Jesus... When he said it is finished, he said seven things on the cross. The last thing he said, it's finished. It's finished. It's done. All the work is done. And then he literally, they, they, they stabbed him. They beat him. And they were on the way because there was a storm brewing. They, they were on the way and they'd already broken the knees of the thieves on both sides of him. And why did they do that? Because... The death of crucifixion is the most horrible death you can imagine. It actually comes by asphyxiation. And that's why when you see them in a movie or something, they're, they're sinking lower and lower. But they, they constantly have to push up because when they sink, all of that weight is pressed down on their diaphragm, which is an organ in your body that causes your lungs to inflate. So in order to get a breath, they've got to stand up. So... Hey, we've got to hasten their death. The Romans took some big hammer and popped their knees. They couldn't stand anymore. But when they got to Jesus, he was already gone. One of them said, well, make sure. He gets a spear. This guy gets a spear and thrusts it up into his side. And blood mixed with water poured out of him. But he was already gone. He gave his life. Oh, God, did you really do that? I, I, can't, I can't deal with that, Lord, because I can't see anything at all in me that would be worthy of you giving your life for me. Was I that bad? Yeah, I was. And I got to be honest with you, sometimes... I think I'm still that bad. 
get me wrong, I think I've made some progress, but do you know what I'm saying? The times that God comes to you and he asks you to do something and you have a, you have a real problem obeying him. You want to, but your flesh has got you by the throat. See, you you got three parts like God. You are a spirit, and that's the part of you that's supposed to be in charge. But you know, you know and I know that most of the time, your soul or your flesh, your body, your flesh, one of those two is usually in charge. Your soul is where your emotions are. Hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness. Your flesh is where all of those desires, lust, food, drugs, those two things cry out like a newborn baby demanding to be fed, demanding this, demanding that. And that's the power, by the way, in uh, fasting. When you fast, you, take, you tell your soul and your flesh, no. Right now, until God says otherwise, I'm not eating and I'm not entertaining any hatred or anything coming from my emotional realm. I, my spirit is going to worship God, and I'm, while I'm fasting, I'm going to listen intently for his voice. And I'm going to ask you a favor. Anytime God tells you to fast, please put me on your prayer list. It's powerful. It's very powerful. Have you noticed there that Moses wanted to see God, so God made a way? But you see, God made another way. And I've, I've been teaching on this lately because I want it to get down in your heart. There's a reason why the second part of the Godhead, Jesus, was a man and he came in the flesh. And we beheld his glory. But we didn't behold all of it because his flesh, the Bible says flesh is a veil. And I believe with all my heart, you know, Moses, he went through these experiences, but when they were out in the wilderness, he set up that tent of meeting after it got everybody, there might have been as many as two million of them, and he got them all set up with their tents and everybody, and here's the tabernacle down there. And, and when that's done, he goes outside the camp and he sets up one more tent. Nobody's allowed in there but him. He goes in there every day. Why? He talks to God face to face. Why didn't he fall dead? I believe it's because he was talking to Jesus. It's called a theophany, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the Son of God, but he is God. You, do you get that? Do you understand how powerful this is? And then to think, now listen, knowing you the way you are, and, and don't get mad at me, <laughs> but knowing you the way you are, doesn't it puzzle you to think that God chose you as his dwelling place. He doesn't live in this building. He lives in you. He's in you. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came and possessed your body. Now, the devil tries to do that in an evil way. God does it with the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. God's Spirit and your spirit do this. Isn't that right? Actually, that's the real Lord's Prayer. The real Lord's Prayer is when Jesus said, Father, make them one with you in the same way you and I are one. Can you sense the power in that? But when you stop to think about God doing that, and I, 
you know, I know that his worthiness comes from, to me from him. It, I, it ain't got anything to do with me, but it's hard for me to accept it. I don't know if it is for you because I know what I've done. And I'm still struggling from time to time with the fact that God's got a big spiritual eraser and when it comes to me and him, he'll take that eraser and he will erase all of my sin. And he removes itself as far as the east is from the west. He removes my sin away from himself as far as the east is from the west. Well, how far is that? It's infinity. And when you, I'm convinced, listen, I know this is going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen to you. But when you get to heaven, I could just see this. Somebody's going to go up to God and go, oh, God, don't hit me. And he's going to say, what are you talking about? Well, don't you remember that real bad, real bad, bad sin I did back in 1972? You remember the bad one? You know what he's going to say? Well, yeah, what are you talking about? Now, only God has that ability. And by the way, that's the reason you have such a problem forgiving people. Because you don't have that ability, it doesn't seem, to erase the people that you thought loved you, who wounded you. It's hard for you to accept forgiveness if they ask for it. It's hard for you to give it because you can't erase it. The wound's deep. The miracle of God standing up, looking at you, and declaring, you are my nephesh. That means you are my dwelling place. Now, you've heard that old saying about getting married and bringing baggage into the marriage. Well, when God married you, he brought baggage. Good baggage. Come on, good baggage. Jesus said, the things I have done, you will do, and greater things than these will you do because I go to my Father. What did he do? He raised people from the dead. He said, you would do those things and greater. Now, somebody said, well, I haven't ever done anything. I'm not sure. Have you ever asked? Have you ever, have you ever just gotten real bold and stepped up? Step up. I went through a, a time, and I still do this, but I went through a time, uh, they used to put the names on the doors at the hospital. And I'd be uh, walking down. One day I was walking down the hallway on the third floor, and I looked up at the name tag, Walter Geralds. Now, Walter Geralds was the, one of the mayors of Carlsbad, a very uh, influential man. He owned uh, Colin Geralds' uh, men's store downtown. I guess it's still there, isn't it? It's not there anymore? Okay. Anyway, he's, he's gone now. But Now, I ain't got time to tell you the whole story, but there was a problem. They, my, my father and he were in the Oaks Club, and uh, they weren't friends, and they certainly weren't brothers in the Oaks Club. You might say there was a little hatred there. He, I think he hated me because I was his son. But I just, you know, I, now... Common sense would say, don't go in there. But the Lord surpasses common sense. And the Lord said, go in there. I'm shaking. 
I open the door, and he's, now picture this, he's on the bed, he's on the telephone, and when he sees me, his eyes open real big, and he goes like this, emphatically. And he, he says, I've got to call you back. And he didn't say anything after that. He just stared at me. He knew that I was in the ministry. And he had cancer. You know, when you get sick unto death, you'll put away your pride. You won't, you won't have a tendency to remember what your daddy did or your, your grandma or any of that. You don't care about that stuff anymore. I said, uh, Walter, I, the Lord told me to come in here and pray for you, and I'm shaking. Would that be okay? He said, I wish you would. I really wish you would. And I prayed for him. Now listen to this. From that day forward, I went to see him every day twice, twice a day, morning and evening. When they took him home, I went to his home. We had a little problem because in the middle of that, I had to go on a a trip overseas to Europe, and I, I I forgot to tell him. I was gone like two or three weeks. As soon as I got back to town, I drove over to his home, and when I got there, there were all these cars, dozens of them. And they owned a, he was on a big piece of land, a couple, three, four acres, and cars everywhere. And I went up to the door, and I rang the bell, and his wife, Linda, answered uh, the door, and when she saw me, she just collapsed in my arms. Began to wail. Where have you been? We've been trying to find you. Anyway, she said, he's in the bedroom, and he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't even know me. That's what she said. He doesn't even know me. So she took me in the bedroom, and there's all these people crammed in there. It's kind of funny, Everybody crams around and watch a guy die. And he was just a skeleton. Now, you aren't going to believe this. He don't know anybody. But as soon as she opened the door and I walked in, he looked up and he went just like that, just like he did in the hospital. And I, I went over to him and I said, I love you, and we're going to all pray for you. I made them all get up, hold hands. And they probably still hate me for that. But. And we prayed for Walter Geralds. And he died the next day. His funeral was unbelievable. The governor of New Mexico was there. There were political uh, people from all over the United States there. I had no idea he had that much influence. I sang at his wedding. And a wedding, his funeral, God. But what I'm sharing with you is that you're no, I'm no different than you. You're no different than me. If you, if you want to see miracles in your life, if you want God to use you, step up. Be bold. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. There's been a couple of times I've been thrown out of somebody's house. Literally. We had a teacher in Loving that was dying from cancer. And when they, a bunch of teachers called me on the phone and asked me to go see him at the home, and I did. There again, there's cars everywhere. And I walked in and sat down, and, and uh, they weren't real friendly, but I figured it was because of the situation. And, and I uh, 
this woman walked by. I didn't know until later it was his sister. I said, ma'am, do you have a, a Bible? And she started screaming at me. Never seen her in my life. You get out of this house. Who are you to think you could come in here and, and bring your God? And I don't know what all she said, but I left. All I, all I said was, have you got a Bible? <laughs> and I was asked to go there, but evidently not by her. What I'm trying to tell you is be warned. There, there are times that you'll, you'll probably be mistreated. But listen to this. The other times when you hit a bingo and you go to somebody and you lay hands on them and they're healed right in front of you, it's worth it. It's worth it when the night my best friend's father who was a drunk and used to beat him, beat all the kids, beat his wife without mercy. And by the way, that poor woman, I knew her all my life. He was my best friend. And that woman, he beat her. And you know what? She was 81 or two years old in the hospital, and she'd been going to my church. She got saved. And I, she made a statement. Uh, it blew my mind. Uh, she looked at me, and she said, I'm ready to go. I've had a wonderful life. I almost fell on the floor. What do you mean you've had a wonderful life? This guy beat you every other day. I spent the night with him one night, and I heard this screaming, and it was raining, lightning, and thunder. And the, I looked out the window, and it was about 2 in the morning, and the lightning flashed, and here she is going, ah! and here he is running behind her. Ah, I'm going to kill her. And they ran around the house about three times, and she's sitting in her hospital bed saying, I've had a great life. See, that's the difference that, that God can make. And you know, when she died, she went to be with him. Now, I want you to pray for my best friend because a few years ago when we were down on Pierce Street, he came in my office and here's his exact quote. There ain't no God. He's my best friend. I'd like him to go to heaven. I don't know. How about you? You know what I'm saying? Now, here's the crux of this. I want not to be favored better than you or higher than you, but I would like to know that in God's heart, there's a place for me. Now, I know the Bible says there is, but I, I want to experience that because every time that I have experienced it, it's changed my life. When, it, when God comes to you and says, you know, I was thinking about you today, and I just thought I'd drop by and tell you how much I love you. Does God speak like that? He certainly does. Doesn't he, Scott? Scott was in the, do you mind me telling him a little bit? You were in the hospital. They were going to, uh, I won't tell you what he did. It was kind of dumb. But uh, <laughs> it's just say he was clipping on his toe with a little callus there, and, and it got infected, and he, he was about to lose his foot. Now, he, he loves the Lord. He already loves the Lord. But when the doctor comes in and says, well, we're going to probably have to cut your foot off, That'll get your attention. And you know, while he was laying in there, all of us saw it, Scott. We all saw him change. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't hardly a good guy and he loved the Lord, but didn't it, James? Something happened because he got serious with God. And I guess that's what I need to tell you. Get serious. And, he, and listen, don't stop. If you pray and you don't feel like he's there or he's answered you, don't stop praying. Keep praying. He will answer you. 
That dog got sick the other day. I said, Lord, I think you love dogs. You made them. You gave us that dog to bring joy in our lives. And I'm not going to stop praying until you hear me and, and we get that miracle. They put that dog in the car at 11 at night and drove him to Albuquerque. Got there about 4 in the morning. To, went to an all-night animal hospital. And when they got in there, the, the, he was bleeding. He was bleeding out. The vet here packed his ear, wrapped tape around him. He hated that. But when they pulled that pack out, the bleeding had stopped. And he's, he's okay. Thank you for praying. See, you prayed. And I'm so glad you're not one of those churches where we don't pray for dogs in this church. Dogs are just... <laughs> I happen to like my dogs, both of them. Now, my red ones, he's a little mentally ill, but he... I can't tell you what he does, can I? Because it'd be bad, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Now, show me your glory. I think, and I don't think I'm wrong on this, I think that God has other ways of showing us his glory. Have, have you ever been just sitting somewhere, maybe the TV was on, but you weren't particularly paying attention, and suddenly you felt, Something brushed by you. It was almost, it was almost real. It's like it's like you felt something brush your arm, and 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 immediately when you felt that, you felt this overwhelming peace engulf you. How many of you in here have ever seen an angel? One. I'm, I want to tell you something. I've been praying lately. I said, God, would you show me an angel? <laughs> now, is that wrong to do that? Is that bad? I don't know, but I'm going to pray that for a while. <laughs> I've had times when God approached me that way, just when I, and usually comes it happens when I'm really down and beat up and depressed and tired and and I could just almost feel like he gets so close to me that he brushes by my arm or my leg and and he just lets me know it's me don't don't be alarmed, it's me. I wanted you to know that I'm here now in in the Old Testament, God was not accessible now listen to this. They built a tabernacle, and which was a tent. Later, it was a temple made out of stone. It was really one room. But they made two rooms out of it by erecting a piece of cloth called the veil. So there were two rooms. Nobody was allowed in that back room except the high priest one time a year on Yom Kippur, the great day of atonement. And let me tell you something. It wasn't his favorite thing to do. He was instructed by God to kill a lamb, drain its blood into a golden bowl, take it through that veil, and with a weed called hyssop, sling that blood at that covenant, at that, uh, that box in the middle of the room, the Ark of the Covenant, mercy seat on top. And all the time he's got his head down because he doesn't want to see God. He's already been told, if you see me, you won't live. Smoke begins to fill the room, the smoke of the Shekinah glory of God. Filling the room, he's slinging blood. He's trying to get around that box seven times, get it done as quick. And what is he doing? He's offering a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. But here's the catch, for last year, as soon as he left and the people left that ceremony, nothing changed. They went right back into their sins and, and waited till next year when another animal was offered for their sins. 
And the veil, the veil was what separated God from everybody. Hey, they're, they're on the side of a hill. They look down at the city. They see the temple. You look at your buddy and say, you know, God lives, God lives in that building right there. Well, hey, let's go down there and see him. You can't go down there and see him. You'll surely die. What did you, you just said he lived right there. Why, why can't we go down there? You get it? Matthew 27, verse 50. When Jesus gave his life, the veil split down the middle from top to bottom. That means he did it. You didn't. Now there is no veil. There is no covering. Listen, there is no separation anymore between you and your God. And Jesus is your high priest. And because of what he did, how many of you have ever studied the names of Jesus? He's called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's called the High Priest, the King of Kings, Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, and on and on and on the list goes. Each name has reference to something that he did for you. And I can just, I've imagined this in my mind, and one day I will see it, because I believe there is a temple in heaven. I believe the temple that was created here was a, a direct copy of the one that's in heaven. And I believe the day is coming when you get there, you'll walk right in the front door of that temple. Nobody, there won't be any guards there. Stay out, stay out. You'll walk bold as brass. Right through that door, you'll see the table of showbread over here, the menorah over there. You'll see the altar of incense right in front of you and smoke rising, representing worship. And there is no veil, so you walk past that altar of incense, and you see the Ark of the Covenant. It's a box of all things, a box. God's sitting on a box. You'd think he'd be sitting on a throne made out of 150 million tons of gold. No, he's sitting on a box. And when he sees you, look at me, when he sees you, he smiles, and he goes, just like Walter Gerald did. Now, listen, when you walk over there, don't go like this. You know that term, a dog that's been cowed? Uh, that means you beat him. and He's been beaten so much that every time somebody approaches him, don't do that. When he does this, you hold your head up and you go right over to him. And you know, I think, I think he'll reach down you and swoop you up in his arms and set you right on his knee. And I believe he'll say, I've been waiting for you. Let's talk. What's on your mind? Man, you're still struggling with the whole idea. How could, how could God run the universe and have time for you and everybody else all at the same time? Well, that's our God. Everything about him is infinite. I like the word omni better. He's omnipresent. That means he's the only entity that has, listen, only entity that has the ability to be everywhere at the same time. The devil can't do that. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows everything before it happens. And the omnis go on and on and on. He cannot be killed. He cannot die. His whole nature is love. Where did he come from? He didn't come from anywhere. 
and he emphatically told me one day, I said, Lord, where'd you come from? He said, if I came from somewhere, I couldn't be God. We had that big argument. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Can you imagine, now I'm closing, but can you imagine this? Our great God, why did he do it? Why was he in another dimension where he was living called heaven and he, uh, did he get bored one day? Is he even capable of being bored? I don't, was he sitting one day and said, you know, I think I'll make a universe. I think I'll put galaxies in it with planet, planets and stars and and on one of those planets, I'm going to build the most beautiful garden you've ever seen. And, by the way, while I'm at it, I think I'll put a couple of, let's see, what shall I call them? People. That's what we'll call them. I'll put a couple of people in the garden. And I'm going to love them. And because I love them, every day about in the heat of the day, I'll go down and we'll walk down the path in the garden together holding hands. They're naked, but they won't know it. Just a couple of rules. Don't mess with that tree and you'll be all right. Now, I'm not mad at Adam and Eve. How many of you have thought about I'd sure like to ask them why they did that. <laughs> I probably won't. You know why? Because I've done things worse than they did, if you're honest. And God, if he could forgive them, could he forgive you? How many of you have ever done something that you are really ashamed of? Now listen to me carefully. Look at me. I want you to take that shame right now and lay it on the altar. I don't care if it was an abortion. I don't care if it was an affair. You cheated on your wife or your husband. I don't care what it was. Just close your eyes, all of you. I want you to take your hand, and I want you to look at me a minute. I want you to put your hand with your fist closed. You've got your shame in that hand. And in, in a minute, you're going to close your eyes, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to open that hand and just shake it like that, and you're going to leave it on the altar. You're going to close your hand and walk away. Ready? Everybody do that. Hold your hand out. Take your shame. Dump it on that throne. Take back an empty hand. Turn around and walk away. It is forever dealt with. I don't care what you did. I don't care how many people got hurt. As a result, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Listen to this. You are clean. You are white as snow. It's as if it never happened. God loves you. He is bestowing mercy on you right now. Why? Because He wants to. And God is God, and when He wants to do something, how many of you know it gets done? And that includes His love for you. Now that was page one. I really do take too many notes, but I try to stay out of the notes as much as I can. Extemporaneous is the better way I've been told. Uh, John, would you turn out the lights just for a minute? That's ten till twelve. So actually, twelve till twelve. So we got plenty of time. Let's. I want you just to rest a minute. Just just close your eyes. Your name's above all names. Your power's above all power. And your glory 
your glory fills this place. Your name's above all names. Your power's above all power. And your glory, your glory fills this place. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that brought us through for as high as the heavens above, so great is the measure of our Father's love. Great is the measure of our Father's love. Lord, we love In the beginning of time, God created a mystery. He created not only humans, but he created angels. Everything that he created, he gave them a free will, including animals and angels. The reason God did that was when he knew that whenever anything that he created said to God, I love you, he knew they would have to have a free will in order to mean it. That means they would have to have the ability to say, I don't love you. And unfortunately, one of his angels did exactly that. His name was Lucifer, son of the morning. He was the leader of all worship in heaven. He turned against God because he wanted to be God. Imagine that. One third of all the angels, for some reason, sided with him. Because of that, they were thrown out of heaven. And still God loved. Still God forgave. Still, God reached out to what he had created. And that was you. My God. One of the times I remember Jesus the most was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died. He, he went to his disciples and he said, he said, I've got to go yonder and pray. Could you stay here and watch? Of course, you know that story. He came back a little while later and they were all fast asleep. He said, what, what's with you guys? You couldn't stay awake for one hour? But when he went away from them and he prayed in the garden, he knew what was about to happen. He said, Lord, if there's any other way that we can do this besides this, but 
nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There was so much stress. You've got to understand what he was about to do. He was about to receive all of the sin of all mankind who had ever lived from beginning to end. He was going to take all of their sin and put it on himself. The Bible says it like this. He who knew no sin became sin. And as he realized that in the garden, he began to sweat, but not, not water. He sweat blood. Blood. Can you imagine that blood coming out of his forehead? That's the power of the stress of the whole thing. And even though he knew what he was about to do and the price that he would have to pay, he did it willingly for you. He thought you were worth it. The least you can do is love him, honor him, obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. Just that simple. Jesus said, if you will not forgive those who have hurt you, neither will I forgive you. It's real simple. Father, as we go today, I want to say thank you for giving Liz and I this church. It's not our church, it's your church. But I, I want to thank you for letting me have the honor of, of being the pastor. Uh, of all the years of my life, this is the best one. We have the least amount of stress and complaints and divisions and we don't have much of that and I am so thankful to all of you that tells me that God's teaching has rubbed off on you it makes me very happy and it makes my wife very happy I want to say thank you for that Lord as we go I'm asking that your precious spirit will be with everybody Give us a great day of rest, and tonight when we lay down to sleep, let it be the best sleep we've ever had. Many of, uh, of those here today are going to return to work tomorrow. I'm asking you to give them a great day at work. Give them favor with their boss. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you finally for New Song Christian Fellowship. In Jesus' name, everybody said, you're dismissed. May God richly bless you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.